sermon notes, let Alan or one of our ushers know with a raised hand and we'll fix you right up. Also, if you're near an, an, an the end of a row and there's a basket underneath your seat, you can hand that down. Uh, if you'd like, you can pull a card out of the basket and uh, fill out the uh, contact information. I hope you've noticed that we're sending out weekly emails this summer just to try to keep us on the same page as we're all going a variety of different directions. So uh, if you're not receiving those, we think you are, so uh, let us know if you'd like to, and it's just a super quick, about a 30-second email, three things happening at Emmaus this week, and that's been real helpful. Um, so if you'd like to receive those and you're not, please let us know with, uh, with, by filling out one of those cards. All right, well, welcome. I'm so glad that you've chosen to be with us today. So grateful for the rhythm of worship today that no matter where we are in life and how we're feeling, we're not having to like gear up for a specific kind of event, but that we can just bring real life into the rhythm of worship and expect to be met uh, by the loving Christ. This is my brother-in-law, Clay Rojas. Welcome, Clay. Hi. So glad you're here. Me too. I've known Clay for a long time. Uh, I started hanging out with his big sister in the 90s, the <laughs> early 90s. Do you remember the first time you saw me? I did. I think, uh, who's, who's 15th birthday? It was Angie's quinceanera. One of my sister's 15th birthday. And... Uh, I don't remember exactly everything that was said. Uh -huh. I just, I remember there was a lot of, who's the white guy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I I think in Spanish, <laughs> I picked up on that real quick. I heard my mom say policia. Is that right? <laughs> but I'm not sure what she, I'm not sure what she meant by that, but. <laughs> I, I learned how to say American in Spanish. Yeah, people kept calling me the Americano. That was awesome. Loved it. Got, somebody decided it was a good idea to sit me on the couch next to your Yitza, your grandmother. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so I spoke almost no Spanish, and I don't know if she was even interested in speaking English. It, was a, it worked out. It all worked out. It all worked out. We're here now. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> that's funny. Let's see. Clay, tell us a little bit about what you're doing um, at this stage in your life. So, um, currently, uh, we are starting a ministry. We just uh, really got things rolling in January. And uh, as a result of my personal experience with prison uh, and the amount of love and support that came from Emmaus from my family and the, the sense of gratitude that we felt, we decided to come out and start a ministry that is a family resource center and an advocacy for families of prisoners. So it's, uh, it's basically a family resource model and an advocacy model and we are in the process of getting that ramped up and just going to different churches and uh, sharing and speaking about it and making people aware that the uh, ministry is starting to roll out and um, allowing churches to send people, no matter what denomination or what church, send them over to us so that we can be that support that, that my family received while I was away. That's great. That's beautiful. Really appreciate it. What is it called? It is called Prison Families Aftercare. Amen. Yeah, let's clap for that. That's it's called Prison Families Aftercare. There's information outside over there by Bob and Vinny in that room. There's some information about the, the ministry. I think it's a beautiful thing that uh, what we were attempting to do in just caring for single moms or moms who find themselves in a short, temporary season of singleness has, has resulted in a vision for ongoing ministry. And there's a lot of, we, we talk about how there's a lot of ministry to people in prison, mm -hmm. um, but there seems to be a, a void of support for the families of those in prison. Yes. So God bless you as you uh, go forward with that. All right, let's pray for Clay. Um, he's kicking off a brand new series. We finished 20 weeks in the Apostles' Creed. For the next few weeks in the summer, we're going to talk about the teachings of Jesus, and we're going to try to apply specific words of Christ to our lives today. And Clay's going to uh, give us the opening shot of that this morning. 
at my request. I'm so excited that he's going to teach, and uh, so I want to pray for him. Thank you, Lord, for Clay, for the journey that you have brought him through that's continuing. Uh, may your spirit fill him now to open up your word and encourage us. Lord, may we have open hearts. Um, may things that are new be carefully considered. May things that have been heard a lot of times be carefully considered again, that we would examine our lives and be all yours in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Amen. So as Nate said, we are, we are kicking off this new series um, about the things that Jesus said. And one of the most important things about the series is that in order for us to grasp the entire thing, in order for this series to actually make sense, to actually be life-changing, then we have to start with the first step. And, uh, and that first step is follow me, right? Jesus said, follow me. First thing he said to his disciples when he saw them out there by the boats, he said, follow me and, and there's, you know, a lot that goes, goes on with that. But before I, before I talk about that, I just wanted to share something with you guys this morning. I woke up this morning, uh, looked on the, on the Facebook for our, our company's Facebook, and there's a few people that I follow. And in light of everything that's been going on with the Supreme Court, same-sex marriage, all these politics going on, Someone posted this uh, on their Facebook page, and I saw it, and, I, and I'll tell you after I read it to you what I, what I thought it meant. Uh, and, and here's what it says. It says, before you speak to me about your religion, first show it to me in how you treat other people. Before you tell me how much you love your God, show me how much you love all of his children. Before you preach to me about passion for your faith, Teach me about it through your compassion for your neighbors. In the end, I'm not as interested in what you have to tell or sell as in how you choose to live and give. To me, after I read that, I, sat, I was sitting at my computer and I said, man, the world's calling us out. The world is calling us out. The world is watching to see what people of God are going to do in light of the craziness that's happening out in the world right now. People are watching. That, that's a personal call out to all people of God. It's basically saying, stop telling me about how much you love God and start showing me. Start showing me what that looks like. And I, I believe that in these times of, of how the politics are going and, and all the, the crazy things that are happening in our world, this is our time to shine as Christians. This is our opportunity. You know, some Christians are really upset. They're really mad. There's a lot of things being sent over on, on the social media, anger, but this is our time to really embrace, not just each other, but those who are lost, and show them what it really looks like to follow Jesus. Nowadays, there's millions of people, millions, who call themselves followers of Jesus. And, and I'm not saying millions just to be, you know, provocative. I'm saying there are literally millions who say, I'm a follower of Jesus. And the, the, the crazy part is that their lives look nothing like his. And so my passion and my desire uh, as setting the, the tone for this series is that as you begin to profess and tell people that you're a follower of Jesus, that that person won't be confused. When you tell someone at work or at school, yeah, I'm a Christian, I don't want that person to walk away going, really? We, we have to stop that. Because the world is watching. So if you're truly not following Jesus today, that's okay. 
Uh, and if you don't know what that looks like, that's the purpose for this whole series. That's the purpose for this message today. Um, but if you don't get those two things, if you don't understand what it looks like, uh, and if you don't make the decision to do it, then the rest of this uh, series is, is, is really pointless, right? Because in order for us to, to really follow Jesus, we have to make that decision. So today I want to show you the way, and I want to, uh, I guess, in a sense, get you to first base of what it looks like to follow Jesus. Hey, that worked. All right. So Jesus says, follow me. Okay, Matthew 16, 24. Um, and we're going to start off with this story right here. The name of this statue right here, the name of it is called, it's follow me. Everyone knows it as follow me. This statue right here uh, is sitting in front of the army uh, school of infantry. And it's also sitting at Fort Benning, Georgia at the, at the barracks of the uh, army ranger school. And it depicts a 1950s era infantry soldier charging forward and gesturing others to follow. Uh, originally called the Infantryman, uh, it was installed at, at, uh, at the uh, Army Infantry School in 1960, and then in 64, it was actually named officially Follow Me, and it was moved in front of the Infantry Hall, and then they moved one in front of uh, the Army Ranger School. So for those of you who were in the Army, uh, you guys should be very familiar with Iron Mike. Uh, Iron Mike's real name was John O'Daniel, and this guy was hardcore, you know, and when, when he said, follow me, people followed, and, uh, and the, many of them followed him to, to their death, but he, he did something in the way he walked and talked and motivated people that when he said, follow me, they had no problem doing it. Um, so as you can see, follow me can mean different things to different people. Uh, maybe some of you would have never thought of this analogy of what follow me really means. Uh, some of the words that are synonymous with follow are real interesting as I was researching for this. Uh, they were to chase, uh, to trail, uh, to observe were, were some of the words that I found that, that were equated with follow. And uh, Iron Mike, though, he had, a different, he had a different idea about what follow me meant, right? It, it, it wasn't just to chase me or trail me or to observe me. Uh, Iron Mike and to men like him Follow me meant uh, imitate, obey, comply. Basically, do what I do. Don't just watch what I do. Uh, that's what it meant to Iron Mike. And that's why Iron Mike, that's why there's a statue of Iron Mike today. Uh, because he really embraced that. And in the Gospels, there's various passages, numerous passages, as I was looking through this, of where the Gospel writers make it a point to tell us that there were large crowds following Jesus. For those of you that, that, that read the Gospels regularly, uh, a lot of them start out, it'll say, Jesus was going here, or the disciples were going here, and there were large crowds following him. You know, they, we, we see people were following Jesus around. There was a lot of buzz around this guy, Jesus. And so, clearly, he had a lot of people following him, but he also had followers of him. And, and there's a clear distinction there. There's those who were following Jesus around, and then there's those who were actually following Jesus. Does that make sense to everybody? Hopefully this will uh, make a little more sense here. Right here, this is a flag uh, of a unit that I was in in the Marine Corps when I, when I was in the Marines. Uh, this flag actually first uh, came up in the Battle of Guadalcanal, if anybody knows their military history. And 
after this battle, they raised this flag that they made out of parachute, and somebody literally took a, I don't know if they had Sharpies back then, but they took something, and they wrote Suicide Charlie, 1st Battalion, 7th Marines, after the Battle of Guadalcanal. They raised the flag, and, it, and then the flag kept coming up. It, it, they saw it again in Korea in certain battles as 1st uh, uh, Battalion, 7th Marines went out, uh, Charlie Company, and they had different battles that came up in Korea. Again, they saw it in Vietnam. They wrote a, a book about it called The Village. Uh, then we saw it again. Uh, well, after Vietnam, uh, the Marine Corps actually told the unit, you guys will be authorized to carry this flag into battle. And normally that's not, that's not done. Usually it's the red and gold Marine flag. Uh, and they were the first unit and only unit today who are authorized to have two guide-on flags. One of them is the red and gold Marine flag uh, that says 1st Battalion, 7th Marines. And the second is Suicide Charlie, which is the nickname of the unit. So this actually became real to me when I was transferred to this unit going in, and I arrive on the base at, uh, in 29 Palms, California, if anyone knows where that is. I think it's the, uh, the center of, of, of hell, temperature-wise. Uh, very hot, right? So I'm going there, and I'm, and I'm dressed up in my, uh, in my, in my uniform, and I, I, all I know is I'm coming from Virginia, and, uh, and I know that I'm going to 1st Battalion, 7th Marines, Charlie Company. I don't know anything else. I've never heard of Suicide Charlie. I've never, it's a whole different world to me. I'm coming from a different unit. I didn't know. All I knew was that it was very hot. And so as I'm going around to the different base offices and checking in with this guy and checking in with supply, and get, people are asking me because they're seeing me in, my, in, in a uniform that you don't really see guys wearing at, in that time of the day. And, uh, and you know, I'm all sharp and everything in, in, in my green uh, Charlies. And guys are like, hey, man, you're new here. What unit are you going to? And I said, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, 1-7 Charlie. And every person that I told that to was like, oh, man. <laughs> they were like, I was like, what? <laughs> is that a good thing? They were like, you're, they, a couple of guys literally told me, you're dead. <laughs> they straight up told me, you're dead. And I was like, what, what is going on? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm not sure if I want to go here anymore. So I found out that the guys of Suicide Charlie were highly trained, uh, battle-hardened, uh, you know, tattooed freaks of nature who could run 17-minute, uh, three-mile runs in 17 minutes, and they were just these hardcore individuals who were scary. Uh, hardcore, tattooed individuals who were very motivated warriors. And the entire company of 300 were, they embraced this creed that, uh, that was left behind by their, by their brothers uh, starting at Guadalcanal, and, and they just took it, and it's been going on through generations, and Suicide Charlie lives on even today, but everyone who goes there, you will be broken, you will be shown the way of Suicide Charlie, or the first sergeant will move you out of the unit. If you cannot, if you cannot keep up, if you cannot do what they do, you will, be, you will be transferred out of the unit. You'll be moved to headquarters company or you'll go, they'll put you behind a typewriter. This, is, this was an infantry unit and you were going to do what they were going to do. When the entire base was not training because the black flag was up because it was 118 degrees outside, so they raised a black flag on the base and that means that's telling all the units, do not come out here and train. And there's one unit out there training. And if you had a problem with that, you were going to get transferred. And so... I began to see during that time 
that Suicide Charlie had this nostalgia about them, and people would come around and watch, and it was almost like Jesus. Like, people heard of Jesus and these miracles, and people would come around and watch and see what he was doing, and they were kind of following, but they weren't followers of. And so guys would come around to see what the unit was doing, what kind of training we were involved in, and guys would come around, and they'd follow us around, but they weren't followers of. They weren't doing what we were doing. And for, for many months when I first got there, I said to myself, I, I, I can't do this. You know, I can't take the heat. I was trying to uh, acclimatize myself. I was having a hard time on runs. I couldn't breathe. Uh, and, you know, my asthma was killing me. But eventually, you know, I had to ask myself, how bad do I want this? Um, how bad do I want to do this? And so a year later, uh, a year later, uh, I'm still with the unit. And... I finally was able to prove to my superiors that I was good enough to stay. And so a year later, I received this award. And, and some of you can see the big letters, but I'll, I'll read to you uh, what it looked like for me to be a follower and not someone who was following them around. So you can see the big letters. It says Department of the Navy. This is to certify the Secretary of the Navy has awarded the Navy and Marine Corps Achievement Medal, Gold Star in lieu of second award with combat distinguishing device to me. And uh, when this happened, I felt like I, I earned my place. And it wasn't until this happened, a year later of busting my butt in that unit, that guys actually, some even talked to me or shook my hand. And that's, that's how hard these guys were. Because until you actually bled with them, they weren't, they weren't willing to, they would invest and they would train you, but they wouldn't create that brotherly bond with you. The small writing says, heroic achievement while serving as squad leader. Charlie Company, 1st Battalion, 7th Marines, and excuse me if I get a little choked up. Regimental Combat Team 7, 1st Marine Division in support of Operation Iraqi Freedom 2, uh, February 22nd, 2005. <clears throat> You might have to read this for me, Nate. <laughs> yeah, I think you might. <laughs> it says, while conducting a raid in the city of Haklania, Iraq, Corporal Rojas platoon. Yeah, we lost some people that day, so this is a little hard to read. But, uh, yeah. Corporal Rojas' platoon was attacked with small arms and mortars. He he calmly directed his squad while simultaneously exposed himself to enemy fire as he left a position of cover to set the explosive. He successfully conducted the breach and led his squad through the door to clear the house. His actions preserved the momentum of the platoon and resulted in the capture of two enemy insurgents with no friendly casualties. Corporal Rojas's initiative, perseverance, and total dedication to duty reflected credit upon him and were in keeping with the highest tradition of the Marine Corps and the United States Naval Service. So, so not everybody made it, but, uh, but most of us did. And, uh, and that day, I learned the difference between follower and following around. Amen? So let's talk about what Jesus said about it. We, 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 we know what it meant to Iron Mike. We know what it meant to me. And now what does it mean to you as a follower of Jesus? Uh, are you following or are you following around? 
And there's three things uh, that Jesus uses as criteria for follow me. Okay? Um, and as the verse says, Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So there's an element there of selflessness. There's an element there of surrender. Uh, there's elements there of, of do what I do. Don't just watch what I do. Uh, and there's, there's really three simple things that Jesus uses as criteria to determine if you are a follower or if you are just following him around. Uh, his criteria is, is quite simple. It, it, it definitely was not the criteria that Suicide Charlie had. Uh, but in a spiritual sense, uh, Jesus asks for the same. He asks for you to lay down your life. He tells you that if you try to save your life, you will lose it. And if you try to, and if you go ahead and let your life go and surrender, then, then you will live. That's the key. So let's look at those real quick. Jesus' criteria. We already talked about this part, right? So they, they, asked, they asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? So here go, here go the first two, okay? Uh, Jesus says in Matthew uh, twenty-two thirty 30 and in other parts of the Bible, but I like this one, it says uh, twenty-two thirty, and let me find it here real quick. It says, or I'm sorry, 34, when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Now we're at 2236. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. Okay, there's point one. Verse 39, and, it is, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And verse 40 is like really the, the kicker in all this. Jesus tells them on these two things, on these two simple things, right? It seems simple. On these two little things, he says, all the law and all the prophets, everything that you know hinges on these two things. Love God Love your neighbor, right? The great commandment that we're not so great at. But this is what it looks like to follow Jesus. His criteria. Here's the third one. If you love me, you'll obey my commandments. So in John 14, 15, which I love, it says, real simple, that's exactly what it says, John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Three simple criteria that Jesus himself has set up for us in case we're confused about what it looks like to follow Jesus. In, in your walk with God, complacency kills. In your walk with God, complacency kills. I grew up in church, and I did Christian activities. 
And you know what the mistake that I made was? Is I confused Christian activity with being like Jesus. I confused it. I confused religion with God. And there was a point in my life where I just walked away from both of them. And many people make that mistake. They confuse, uh, well, hey, I'm, I'm helping here, and I volunteer here, and I'm going every Sunday, and I'm tithing. And they're confusing that with what it looks like to actually follow Jesus. And here, Jesus gives us three simple steps. This is what he says I'm going to look at. This is the bar that I'm setting for you. Love God with everything you got. Love your neighbor the same exact way. And then do what I say. Will we ever be perfect at this? No. Never. But Jesus is not interested in perfection. Okay? He's interested in persistence. When I was running through those deserts, I wasn't perfect, but I never stopped. I might have been the last guy on the run, but I never stopped. You know, I tucked my little inhaler in my, in my shorts, and, and I just puffed away and, and ran away. And that's all Jesus asks of you. Not perfection, because many, so many people walk away from Jesus because they're like, man, I'm not perfect. I'm not ready for that. You know, I've invited friends to church. Man, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm just not ready for that. My life's not right. You guys ever, doesn't that sound crazy? Like, I'm not ready to go to the doctor. I'm not, I'm not well yet. That's really what they're saying. It's, it just, it makes no sense. But it's real simple. So here comes the moment of decision. Once again, we see in, in John chapter 6 that people are following Jesus around. And in this particular passage, there's about after talking to Nate a little bit, there's, I think there's about 15,000 people, right? There's about 15,000 people in this particular passage following Jesus around. That is amazing. They're following him around. There's, they're curious. But that's exactly what they're doing, and that's it. They're just following him around. And Jesus, he recognizes this. And so instead of taking the opportunity to say to himself, this is my chance to create my megachurch, Right? Because that's what most of us would do. Hey, 15,000 people following me around? This is my chance. Let me take an offering. Right? <laughs> but instead of, of saying, this is my chance to create my megachurch, he says to himself, this is my chance to see who's following me around. And, and here's how he does it. He begins to preach about his body and his blood, knowing what's about to happen. And he begins to tell these people that in order to follow me, in order to partake in what I'm doing, you got to eat my flesh and you got to drink my blood. He's telling this to 15,000 people you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And I'm sure, it doesn't say this in the Bible, but I'm sure the disciples are like, oh my God, we're losing the crowd. What are you saying, man? You just told me you were going to make me a fisher, fishers of men. And now we got the crowd. We got the 15,000. This is our chance to start our church. And your message is eat my flesh and drink my blood? Like, I'm sure they're backstage going, what are you doing? And so, sure enough, that's what everybody else says. 
this guy is insane. This guy's on some, some Jim Jones stuff right here. This is too much for me. The Bible even says the words were too harsh. They couldn't take it. But he did that on purpose. You know why? He wanted to know who had it. He wanted to know who had what it takes. And he wants to know that today. And so just the 12 of them are left. And he, he's like listening to them, you know, critique his message. And then when they're done, he just asks one simple question. Will you leave too? Simple, but powerful. And so when things get hard and we don't like what Jesus has to say, or we don't like how things are going, or our loved one's going through this, or we're going through that, Jesus says, will you leave too? Because I told you it was going to be hard. I told you to count the cost. You said, let me go bury my, my mother or my father. I said, no, you come with me now. Jesus says, if you love your mother, your father, your kids more than me, you can't follow me. That's hard. That's real hard. Me as a father and a husband, Jesus is telling me that. If you love those kids and that wife more than you love me, you can't follow me. That's hard to swallow. That's a hard pill to swallow. And you know what? 15,000 people said, that, that, I can't swallow that pill. So he's looking at the 12, and he says, will you leave too? And Peter stands up and says, where are we going to go? You got the answer. You got it. And I know this. And at that point in time, Jesus knew that one man who was not perfect by any means, crazy Peter, who would later deny him, but at that moment in time, Jesus knew that one man was a follower of him. And the rest of the disciples followed it afterwards. But when Peter stood up and said, where are we going to go? We got nowhere to go. You are, you are he. I don't care how hard it gets. Jesus knew that that one man at that moment in time was a follower of him. And that's what it means to follow Jesus. So simple. So simple. When times get hard, keep holding on. That's what we do as Christians. It's a battle. It's never easy. Jesus said it wouldn't be easy. Please remember, it's not perfection. It's persistence, persistence, persistence. He knows your heart. He knows if you're messing around. He knows it. You can't fool, you fool me. I fooled myself for years. But he knows. He knows the heart. He knows if your persistence is genuine, no matter how many times you fall. He knows. And so today, as I close this message, uh, if you're out there and, and, and your relationship with God is, is good, I just right now I just invite you to just pray. Because... There's people in here that need that. And so pray with me now uh, as I invite those out there, if you're sitting out there today and you're saying to yourself, you know what? I get it. I get it. But I've never, ever made the decision to follow Jesus. Like I'm sitting in here and, I, and I'm hearing the message and it makes sense, but, but I've never said, 
I, I, I want to stop following Jesus around. I, I want to follow. I want to be a follower of Jesus, a real one. If that's you today, uh, I'm going to have a couple of people come up now. And, and we'd like to pray with you. And we'd like to walk you through that and invite you into the family. Okay? You don't have to do what I did to, to be invited into, into the family I went into. Uh, you don't have to get the tattoo and run 12 miles through the desert. Uh, you just have to come up here and say, Jesus, I want to follow you. And guess what? He never turns away. He's always there, no matter how many times. So that's the first call. That's, that's bold. If you've never made that decision before, that's bold. To get, to get up and come forward or to even stand there, that's bold. And the second call I'll make is this. If you're out there today and you say to yourself, man, I've, I, I have been complacent. And I thank you, God, for reminding me of what it looks like to truly follow Jesus. I thank you, God, for reminding me that I need to stop following him around and I need to be a follower. If that's you, we'd like to pray with you too. And the tables on the side are going to also be open. If you don't want to pray with anyone and you just want to come light a candle and let it, let it be a symbol of your walk with God to rededicate and say, you know what, today things are going to change, then we invite you to do that as well. So as the band leads us into worship, please come if you want prayer. The, the, the water is set before you. And Jesus says, choose blessing or choose curse. So there's definitely no pressure. We love you. We want to pray with you. The candles are here. We're here as one family to embrace you. And there's no judgment here at all. Especially today, since you got a former federal prisoner preaching to you. There's no judgment. Jesus welcomes all. Amen. And those of you, if you're not praying, feel free to stand. And as Stephanie leads us into worship, let's just follow the Spirit.
Jesus, we confess that we, uh, we've grown so busy that we have complicated your call to follow you. In, in many cases, we've grown apathetic. Our faith looks like we're sitting by the pool with some iced tea. And we have, uh, we have ceased to live in full devotion to you, regardless of the cost. Thank you for the privilege of following you, regardless of what comes. That we get to follow you. We get to be with you through all of this, trusting that you are with us. I pray for a renewal of devotion in this church to you. I pray for a, uh, an embracing of simplicity, that we would just simply love you, love others, and obey your commands. I pray that we would be free in being devoted to another, that we would find freedom in being submitted to another, and that when others call, all the other lovers and all the other temptations would not have an allure, but we would say to ourselves and to you, to who else will we go? You have the words of life. And so fill us with life, we pray, Jesus, that we may provide solid friendship and guidance to others. Thank you, Lord, for this time in your presence. Thank you for your word. I pray that this church would grow in health and grace and truth. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 We'll take a minute to uh, spend some time with one another this morning, and then we'll come back together and just continue with communion and some more singing, all right? Invite you to allow some space up front. If there are others that would like to pray, please come forward, and, and we'll just kind of uh, keep it sort of soft up here, and we can pray, um, but we will come back together in just a moment. May the peace of Christ be always with you. Thank you. Take a moment this morning. Greet one another with the peace of Christ. Embrace one another. Say good morning to one another.